That's oh, great. Every time he misplaces it. <laughs> so, this afternoon, for a little while, I've been having it on my heart to speak about an interesting topic called anxiety. Anxiety. Now, at first, we always like to make these open Sunday sessions relevant for everyone. And anxiety sounds kind of like an older person problem. But the more I thought about it, it reminded me of, we're speaking about memorizing scripture, right? Reminded me of the very first verse I ever memorized. And so if we could do a sword drill, let's start this session with a sword drill. If everyone knows how it works, you take your Bible. All you electric Bible people, this doesn't count. It has to be a real physical Bible. We're going to hold it up, and this is swords in hand. I see some, yes, I see some Bibles. I see some well-worn Bibles. And as soon as you find it, you stand up, and you'll get to recite this verse. It's actually two verses. So don't look until I say charge. Swords in hand, everyone hold them up high. And it's not cast all your anxieties on. No, it's not that one. Ready? Isaiah. No. I see. Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Charge. Isaiah 40. Whoa. Whoa. That's lightning. I Wow. I don't know what to say. Did you remember that? Did you remember that? I think he was playing. I, I kind of whispered to him ahead of time. No, I didn't. I didn't. I promise. Okay, so Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Maurice is going to read it nice and loud. Nice and loud, Maurice. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with their wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be Thank you very much. So we all know that older people get weary and exhausted and struggle. But this tells us even young people and youths grow weary and stumble and fall, and that's not only physically. Even young people have problems with their thinking, with their minds, with their emotions. And so I think that the Bible can help us <clears throat> to have some tactics and strategies when we face something like anxiety. Now, for me, I can share with you that I sometimes have problems with anxiety. You might call it like an anxiety attack. There have been times when I, might, I wake up in the morning and I'm just, I feel like a big pressure and I'll be sweating for no reason and I'll lay in bed and I'll try to get back to sleep and it gets worse and worse and worse. And I don't know why that comes to me. And it can be scary when that happens too. And one of the things that you'll know if you ever watch the news, you'll know that in this country especially, 
people are worried about our young people's mental health, right? Not just older people, but even among school age and even younger, we're thinking there's a, they call it an epidemic of mental health struggle. And sometimes in the church, it can be hard because we can feel like we're not supposed to have those kinds of problems. Because I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to be happy all the time. Right? But we have to remember, God knows your deepest feelings and thoughts, and He cares about not just your physical health, but also your emotional health and your mental health. I'd like to read a verse of a hymn. I was thinking about this hymn this morning. It's 289. Some of you guys know it. It's called Be Still My Soul, right? It's a very famous hymn. And I was thinking of it because it says in this hymn, Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. We were singing this morning and praying and speaking about the changeless love of God, right? And no matter what changes, he never changes. But I'd like to read the third verse of this hymn, right? It says, Be still, my soul. The hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. Won't that be great? When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. Now I see in this verse about four things that cause anxiety, that bring anxiety into people's lives. Disappointment, sorrow, fear, and change. And so the question is, do young people ever face those things? Are young people ever disappointed or afraid or sorrowful or go through change? They do, right? Young and old alike. In fact, let me just throw it out there to you. Maybe if we could have one older person and one young person share for each one. When was a time, what is something that has disappointed you? Maybe older people. When have you faced disappointment? Things didn't turn out like you thought they were going to turn out. Has that ever happened to you? What's an example, Norris? We, um, we went to Jamaica a week ago. We, we spent a month down there, but we had planned for the guy to come to do some work. He didn't show up first week. Didn't show up. Didn't call. Didn't answer the phone. Um, second week, didn't show up. So I was like, oh, so it seemed like the plan that we have, time's going to run out. We're not going to get everything done. So my wife started looking at me now. She said, you know what it means, right? You have to do this stuff. <laughs> that is disappointing. <laughs> yeah. And so for me to do it myself now, then I have to go buy some tools. It's you know, we didn't plan on that. We plan to do something that's going to be money and have to buy tools. Mm. And so we are, um, so, 
so we're there just wondering what to do and uh, and so we're thinking that uh, in the midst of the night, why are we thinking this guy disappoints us so much? Maybe God might even be in the hospital. Maybe maybe something wrong and we are, you know, being disappointed and worried. And so the Lord start changing that to to into something else. And so and so and so we're not disappointed at the moment and things start working out and uh, the guy didn't show up and but we got almost everything. That's great. So that's something that could easily lead to anxiety yes. and worry. But you can also turn it over to the Lord when our plans don't go according to the, what we think. What about some of you younger guys? Have you guys ever been disappointed? Have you guys ever been disappointed by something? Everything always go the way you like? Right. Maybe sometimes it, but these guys always ace their tests. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about that second one where we say not just disappointment but also sorrow? Have you guys ever been sorrowful? What makes us sad? Maybe Lots of things. Yeah. What's an example, Rux? I think I've experienced all of them. <laughs> in one particular situation, to be honest. Um, in 2019, I had to do a surgery. I was really sick, and I had to do a surgery. I felt disappointed because I'm like, I'm so young. You know, why do I have to do a surgery? Um, there was sorrow because I'm thinking, this is going to change my life forever. Um, there was also fear. Will I come out alive? <laughs> to be honest, you think about it, it's, you know, and then the last one being change your body will change you know after you do something like that it's never going to be the same um you know the scars are there to show there's so many different things so i literally experienced all of them at once um at one point in my life yeah, <laughs> yeah. One, in one experience yeah kazi I think that's a great question. So he said, can anxiety sometimes lead you to anger? And I would say definitely yes. In fact, it can lead to lots of different emotions, right? It can lead to things like shame or even guilt. But definitely anger. Has that ever happened to you, Kazi? Yeah, sometimes it happens, right? Every <laughs> if we don't bring these things to the Lord, they can easily take over, right? Go ahead, uh, Sister Nikki. And I think that is, one, that is why you have so many suicides and um, depression because they don't have an answer. And um, depression and, and, and being anxious and stressed and overwhelmed, that is so important to know the Lord because we all do, as you said, waking up in the morning, needless heaviness. But I learned something. You could try it. I started talking to myself. I looked in the mirror and I, I pointed out a verse and I said, hey, you're an overcomer. You're greater than this. You're a child of God. And things began and I started singing worship songs mm. and calling upon his name. And that is how it begins to dissolve because we're still humans and we do go through these emotions. Mm. And being angry, it's all of a, a side effect. You could get yeah. violent and you get bitter and angry. God, why me? Why me? 
and then it is so it's um, a good um, foundation for Christians we have to listen. That's right. We can speak to ourselves, speak yes. the gospel to ourselves, right? I want to quickly add, when you mentioned that, you know, as Christians, sometimes we are told, you know, why, and I remember when I went through, um, and I still go, still do go through times when I feel overwhelmed or depressed, so to speak, and there are persons in scripture that we can look to, so that was one of the things that kind of comforted me. Um, not to say that I have company and Israel has company, but it's to say that, you know, these persons that we look to for inspiration in the scripture, they, they had times when they felt, you know, down. I think of Paul, um, he spoke about it. Elijah is one huge one that I, I constantly look at his story. And then I also look at David in his Psalms. There's so many things that he said, you know, you could tell in um, some of the things that he wrote that he was overwhelmed, you know, he went mm. through anxiety, he went through depression, whatever the case may be. So it's like, I, even for young people, I know sometimes you, and I think some older folks in our own churches, I don't know here, may even tell you that, you know, you're not supposed to be depressed, but there are persons in the scripture who, you know, God asked the Lord to remove the storm. Um, you know, there's so many things, so we can look to them to say, well, they weren't about it, so I shouldn't be. And they found a source, which we know is the Lord. So, yeah. That's great. And that's exactly what we're going to do, actually. I'd like to look at an example of a person who we might say struggled with his emotions. And it was Elijah, one of the ones that Sister Roxine mentioned. We're going to look at Elijah's example in First Kings. Okay, so I'd like everybody to open up there. 1 Kings 19. Well, yeah, you can charge, or you can, you can just, you can gallop, or you, <laughs> you can take a stroll. You don't have to rush. 1 Kings 19. We're going to look at several verses. 1 Kings 19, we meet a man who is anxious. Just to set the stage a little bit, though, first, I'd like to say what happened right before this. And I'll bet some of you guys know this story. You, you know Elijah? What's one of the things that Elijah did, boys? Yes? Uh, call down fire. Yes, I'd like somebody to give us a summary of that. Yusuf, what happened in that story when he called down fire? What was that all about? He was having a competition with the prophets of Baal. So how did he do it? That's right. So you had all these prophets of Baal, 450 of them, trying to call down fire, and nothing happened, right? And then Elijah poured a bunch of water on and he barely even got his prayer done before the fire came down and consumed the offering. What else did it consume? Does anybody water. remember? Water. All the water and all the rocks and everything. What was the effect of this event? Does anybody remember that? What happened, Maurice? 
everyone fell on their face and they were saying, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. This was a huge victory for, the, for Elijah and the people of God, right? And then all the false prophets were killed. So this was a huge event in Elijah's life. Let's see what happened next. I'm going to read just a little bit of this, okay? So follow along. This is verse 1 of 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, she says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. It's otherwise known as Mount Sinai. The Mount of God. And there he went into a cave. And he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Now, I'd like to just look at this example, Elijah. What we see here is a man who was facing... Disappointment, sorrow, fear, and change. And it caused him even to despair of his own life. He said, Lord, just kill me now. Now, Isn't that surprising? Because he just had this big victory, right? What do you think Elijah thought was going to happen? After he called down fire, it came down. Everybody said, the Lord, he is God. And they killed the false prophets. What do you think he thought was next? You've got to use your imagination here. It's not in the Bible. 
But what do you think he was expecting to happen after that? What do you think, Ken? God would stop Ahab and Jezebel. Yeah. Got any fire left, you know? He could. He could have just stopped them by himself. What else might he have expected? Yeah, basically everything was going to turn out great now. Or Jezebel and Ahab would turn to the Lord. They might turn to the Lord, and if not, maybe all the other people would rise up and say, we're not going to have you ungodly king and queen. We want to worship God. That's not what happened, is it? And so he was disappointed. He faced great disappointment here. His expectations weren't met. I believe he was also filled with sorrow. You know, all of his friends had been killed by Jezebel. All the people that he loved, all the sons of the prophets and all the people that were faithful to God, she had done away with them. We know what it feels like, many of us, to lose a loved one. And imagine somebody like Elijah, he knew a lot of grief and a lot of sorrow. And that can lead to anxiety too. What about fear? Did he have fear here? Who was he afraid of? Jezebel. That's kind of funny if you think about it. I mean, he had just faced 450 of these false prophets, right? And I don't want to get too graphic, but he, you know, he's a warrior. Elijah's a warrior here with his sword and everything. And he defeated them all. And now this one woman said, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, ah, i got to get out of here. You know? <laughs> but you know, sometimes our fears don't necessarily make sense. Do you find that to be true? What's something that you're afraid of? Does anybody have a fear they can share with us? Snakes. Snakes, okay. Anybody afraid of um, lizards? And if, if Sister Daisy was here, she would say, yeah. Now, Sister Donna is afraid of lizards. She knew without even looking, Donna. Now, does that make sense, though? What's the lizard going to do to us? Is anyone afraid of cockroaches? You see, yeah, you see one? Now, the cockroach, you're much bigger than the cockroach, right? It can't do anything to you. But it doesn't matter how much you know it doesn't make sense. We can't control the things that we're afraid of. Even if we face a surgery, some of us who are older, if we're going through a surgery, what happens if you die in that surgery, Chris? What's that? Is that worse or better? It's better, right? So you might say, well, obviously it's going to be better, so why would I be afraid? But we know that's not how it works, is it? Even though we know our fears don't make sense, they still come. We still struggle with fear. And Elijah was going through this great time of uncertainty and change. And so he was a man who was anxious, facing anxiety. He was a man of strong emotions. And so I believe that this passage shows us four things that we can do when we are struggling with anxiety or worry or fear or depression when our emotions are out of control. Four things, and I'll just say them really quickly for those of you who like writing things down. I believe that we see here we can be physical, be honest, okay. be still, and be social. 
I'd like to look at these four quickly, right? Be physical. Be honest. Be still. And be social, right? What does that mean? Be physical. That sounds kind of weird, right? What's the first thing that happens to Elijah when he's in his depression? He's, he's, he's depressed. He's asleep. Lord, kill me now. What's the first thing that happens? He sleeps. He, sleep, he basically takes a nap and he eats something, right? The angel appears to him and, and has this cake. What flavor cake was it? Did anybody know? What's that? Angel food cake. Of course. Yeah, of course. You get it, right? Angel food cake. So, God cares not just about our minds and our emotions, but He cares about our bodies, and more than that, God knows that they're connected. We are not just brains on sticks walking around, right? We have bodies. And sometimes when we're struggling with our emotions, the reason is because we're tired or we're hungry or we're eating too much or we're sleeping too much, right? What we do in our bodies affects our hearts and our minds. And so one of the things that we can find here is when you're facing anxiety, maybe it is over a test and maybe even worse, maybe you don't even know why you're feeling anxious. Ask God, God, I want to do something physical. Have you ever noticed that when you're maybe exercising or going for a walk or a run, it can help you to settle your thoughts and help you to clear your mind? So instead of just laying there, getting worse and worse and worse, sometimes eat a healthy meal, right? Take care of yourself. Don't allow yourself to get, you know, out of, you know, out of your rhythms. Sometimes we need to take a fast. Maybe fast for a day. Right? So be physical. Realize that you are embodied. You're not just a spirit. You're also a body. And we need to appreciate that, I think, maybe more than we do. This isn't some kind of mysticism. Right? That learning how to breathe deeply, for example, It can help us when we're feeling anxious. We can take those deep breaths and that can calm our anxieties. The second thing we see in Elijah after he has a nap, a couple naps, a couple good angel prepared meals, and then he goes for a 250 mile walk, which maybe you won't have to walk quite that far, but that's how far he walks, 250 miles down to Mount Sinai. We find that he is honest. So we be physical, but also be honest. When God comes to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah doesn't say, oh, everything's fine, Lord. I'm just, uh, I'm just checking out where Moses got the law. Nothing to see here. I'm just taking a walk. No. He complains to the Lord. Lord, I don't like the way you're doing things. Basically is what he says. You know, I'm serving you faithfully and everybody that I know is getting killed and now they're trying to kill me. I'm the only good person in Israel left. Why me, Lord? He's honest with the Lord. Do you think the Lord wants that? He wants our honesty. He wants us to be honest. And just like Roxine said, sometimes we don't feel like we can be honest with our emotional difficulties. 
We feel like that's for something, somebody that doesn't know God. But once you know God, everything is, should be taken care of. So if I wake up and I'm struggling, then something must be wrong with me. I can't share it with anyone. And we need to be honest with each other and honest with the Lord when we're going through difficult times. The third one is be still. So there is times when we need complete stillness before the Lord. So Elijah, he makes his complaint, and then this big wind comes, and I'm sure Elijah was thinking, oh, here comes God. He's going to really put on a show, right? God wasn't in that big wind, or that big earthquake, or even the fire. You could imagine, he just saw the fire come down, he says, this must be God, right? He's, he's putting on a big fireworks show for me. But God wasn't in any of those things. He was in a thin, small Stillness, a small voice, a still small voice. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard for me to get silent. It's hard for me to get still. There's a lot of stuff happening, right? People's voices. I might turn my music on. I might turn, for some of you older ones, you might get in your car and the first thing you do is turn the radio on. Because we don't want to be alone with our thoughts and with silence. But sometimes we need to set aside time where we are in stillness before God so that we can hear His still, small voice. And then the last one is, be social. So God tells Elijah what to do, right? So we don't have time to read the whole thing here, but if you see the rest of the chapter, after Elijah basically repeats his complaint to the Lord, the Lord tells him, look, I've got three things for you to do. Go anoint a new king in Syria. Go anoint a new king over Israel named Jehu. And go find Elisha because he's going to be a servant for you, a prophet who's going to be your partner in this ministry. And then God says this, I have reserved 7,000 who have not bowed to Baal. So you feel like you're alone, but there's actually... 7,000 faithful uh, who are not bowing to Baal. And you know, it's interesting. Elijah ignores God's advice. (laughs) He doesn't anoint the kings. He skips right to Elisha. He's like, like, I'm going to go find Elisha. Now, that's maybe a sermon for a different time, why he doesn't do that. Um, Sometimes, you know, he's not perfect. You know, the Bible doesn't present made-up superheroes or people who have all their ducks in a row. Elijah was a person just like you and me. Sometimes he messed up. God told him what to do. He said, thanks for the advice, God. I'm going to do one of the three. Is that better than nothing? So, But why did he do that? He went right to Elisha because I think he knew he needed a friend. He needed a partner. He needed somebody to be with him in his anxious moments. And so in the rest of the chapter, we see that he goes and finds Elisha the son of Shaphat, and basically says, come with me and help me. And they were together the rest of his life. Be social. You might have a tendency to withdraw when you're feeling emotionally weak and just kind of hole up and watch your Netflix and just sit there and spiral down, right? But we need a friend. We need people to reach out to and to spend time with. Now that's easier for some of you than others. Some of you might be really people persons and you just love having people around. Others of you might be more introverted. 
you just like to just stick to your video games and just kind of like, you know, go go there for your anxieties. But find someone you can talk to and share these hard moments with, and that can help us get through it, right? As we close, I was thinking about um, where do we often turn when we're anxious or worried or feeling stress? Where do you turn when you're feeling like that, when you're feeling low? I don't know about you, but sometimes I turn to one of these, the Internet or the smartphone. You know, um, and if you think about it, if the solution is to be physical, to be honest, to be still, and to be social, turning to something like the smartphone or the internet is literally the opposite of what we need. It's like when you're thirsty, if you were going to drink salt water, it looks good but it only makes you more thirsty. Because think about it, if we're trying to be physical, the phone does not help us with that. It helps us to veg out. It helps us to basically sit more and to not, and not just be physically idle, but even to, it's a little complicated, but it's almost like we're living virtual lives instead of real lives, right? So if, we, if the answer is to remember that we are people with bodies, we're human beings with spirit, soul, and body, the phone is more and more convincing us we're actually, virtual reality is the same as reality. And this is only going to get more true for you younger ones, the older you get. Virtual reality is going to become very real for you. You gotta remember, you are a physical being. What you eat, how you exercise, those things matter. And so we need to turn, not necessarily right to our phones when we're struggling. Think about this idea of being honest. Is everything you find in here true? No, right? Quite the opposite. There's a lot of lies out there. And even the persona that we're putting out there is not always true, right? I mean, if you are on something like social media, you're only showing certain pictures, but not other pictures. You know, if you're having a good day, it's like, I'll, I'll tell people about my good day, but I'm not going to tell them about my bad day. And so we're not really honest. And guess what? The people who are on there, our friends, they're not being honest either. And so if that's our only source of strength, to go to the phone when we're struggling with anxiety, then that could be bad, right? We're going to find dishonesty there. We're not going to find stillness there. There are many voices online competing for our attention. Not just advertisers, but different advice and influence are all competing for our attention when we go to the internet. So we have to be careful with that. And what about this idea of being social? Some of you are like, oh, I got that covered. I got my social media. (laughs) But we have to remember, social media is not really being social. It might feel like it, I'm connecting to a certain extent with people that I love and people that I know, but it's different from sitting down with somebody and having a cup of tea or sitting down or playing a game with someone in person. So I just want to encourage you all 
to remember these four tactics that I think that Elijah went to and helped him in his time of anxiety, and maybe it can help you as well. It's not saying that the phone is completely useless or that the internet should be avoided at all costs, but be careful if your tendency is to run to that when you're feeling low. And I do believe that younger generations that have grown up with uh, lots of smartphone around them, this is one of the reasons why our mental health is really spiraling down on a level that we really haven't seen. And, and I have a lot of people worried in our world today. But we don't have to worry. We have the Lord who is going to be faithfully leading us on. And we can take uh, encouragement from somebody like Elijah who took his fears and struggles and worries about change and disappointment. He took them to the Lord and was able to persevere through them. So why don't we just close our eyes and we'll pray as we uh, finish up. And we can just quiet our own hearts and different things that we're thinking. When we come in prayer, we can listen. Not just speak, but we can listen for that still, small voice. The Lord (laughs) wants to get our attention. Father God, thank you for this time that we can share together to have somebody like Elijah, your prophet, before us. Elijah wasn't perfect, but he was somebody who was faithful for his whole life. Someone who struggled, but every time he fell, he got back up. And he continued looking to you for help. And this is what you're asking us to do. We pray that for everyone here, there would be a willingness to be honest about the struggles that we have. For younger ones to be able to speak to their parents or their friends about these uh, things that sometimes we feel like we're not supposed to feel. But we need to bring these before you and before those who love us so that we can experience help and strength. So we thank you for this time together. Uh, We're grateful for the fellowship that is in the body of Christ, the family of God. We thank you for providing for our physical food that we have next door. You care about these bodies that you've given us. These are not just some kind of temporary thing that we're supposed to treat badly and just try to get out of. We can't wait to get rid of this body and be in heaven. This is a body that you have made you've given us, you've blessed us with. We even hear that it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We want to treat it well and take care of this body that you've given us. And thank you for this food that you've provided for us. We pray that it will strengthen us and help us to serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, with that, then we'll dismiss and I think head over. I don't know how ready we are.